When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those Voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today... My hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's great to be back, as always. Um, I'd like to give a quick, big, warm welcome back to my producer, Frank, today. He's not going to like that. He doesn't like to be mentioned. Um, But we missed him dearly, so I'm very um, happy to have him back. Joining me in just a moment will be Dr. Ruth Gautien, and Dr. Gautien is the Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education in Anesthesiology and former Assistant Dean of Mentoring and Executive Director of the Mentoring Academy at Weill Cornell Medicine in New York. Um, She'll be with me in just a moment. As always, stay with us during our breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors, and we continue 
continue to expand the watch team and are always looking for more women to be a part of the show as we move into new markets. So if you'd like to learn more, feel free to email Laura at womentowatch.net. That's Laura at women, the number two watch.net, N-E-T, and you can learn all things about the show, who's coming up next, and and where we're headed by visiting our website at womentowatch.net. So now I'm excited and happy to welcome to the show again, Dr. Ruth Gautien. Ruth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here and to talk to you. Well, I'm excited to have you. You've been out and about quite a bit, so I'm lucky that you had some time uh, to be with us. And um, I'm excited to talk a little bit about your beginning, which is always so fascinating to me, and kind of figure out what it was that led little young Ruth to to be so fascinated with success and leadership um, today. So can you talk a little bit about your, your family and the community you grew up in? Sure. So I grew up in a family where I was the only girl in four generations. I am the only girl. All the other women had to marry in. So I was surrounded. I know, right? Four generations. Yeah, that's amazing. Four generations. And it's multiple boys and everyone's having boys. And um, so there were certain topics of discussion that were just so natural. I didn't even know any different. And then I went to school, and it was this this small school. There were only four girls in our class at one point. And this is very much late 70s, early 80s. And during recess, things were broken down by gender. The boys played soccer, and the girls traded stickers. And this was a high-commodity sticker exchange, which <laughs> I was not the least bit interested in. I could not care less about the googly eye stickers that were worth more in value than the flat stickers. I wanted to play soccer. There was something about that competitiveness that I was drawn to, but obviously didn't know that then. So I approached my fifth grade teacher and I said, I want to play soccer. And he said, no, girls don't play soccer. So I went to the New York Public Library, which is how we got our books then. And I took out every single book that had a picture of a girl playing soccer. Now, this was before we had the women's um, soccer teams, before there was even Mia Hamm. So these these are tough to find, but I took out every single one. Monday morning, I come to school, and I put a, must have been at least two-foot-high pile of books on his desk. And I said to him, I said, you know, you said girls don't play soccer, but... I have proof here that says that they do. So what's the reason I can't play again? I was 10. Okay, that is determination, (laughs) right? That is sheer determination. That is is amazing to me um, because at at 10, you know, that's when we're just kind of trying to figure out who we are. Um, Did you tell your parents (laughs) you were doing that or did you do that on your own? No, I told them. They they took me to the library and... And it was just, I was surrounded. If someone tells you no, and you think the answer should be yes, I wasn't asking him to pay anything that it wouldn't take a minute off of his life. I just, it was something I wanted to do. And I did not feel that I 
received a valid reason as to why I couldn't. So I did it and he had no choice but to let me play. And I loved the game. I loved the game. And for years I was the only girl on the team, but you're surrounded by this. And I was used to being surrounded by all boys. So it was nothing really new to me. And then I continued playing all through high school. I went, um, overseas for my freshman year of college wanted to play soccer was told girls don't play soccer and I was like I just can't go through this again <laughs> so I took <laughs> I took a pause from that um, but that I think really led me down a path of if the reason is not sound let's find proof why it is a good reason and why we can do it so I think mm. that led to the perseverance that has really pushed me all throughout my life. Mm. Now, it, you you know, it wasn't new to you to be around the boys and be competing and, you know, be with them, but how did they embrace you being the only girl on the team? So I don't think they had a choice. I, I could play, which I think was helpful. Right. I wasn't just taking up space. And before long, they, they made me a goalie. Um, I'm not sure if it was because they didn't want me anywhere else or because I was good at it. That I don't know, but they let me play. And right. if they said anything, it's either I don't remember it or I didn't let it phase me. Mm. And, and, and that's I'm so going to believe that I, it didn't let, it, it didn't, I didn't let it phase me. That's what I right. want to believe. Right. And, you know, we talk so often on the show about women being in places that historically were male dominated. Yes. And I cannot tell you how often um, women who have achieved a certain level of success will often say, I didn't, you know, if, if there was an incident of someone saying something about my being there, my position, I didn't care. Right. I just moved yeah. forward and did the job the best that I could. So it's interesting yes. that you were figuring that out at such a young age. Um, it's so interesting. I don't know that that um, that tenacity has stayed that, that where I don't care what other people think. In fact, I think I became significantly more sensitive as I got older. Mm. But one of the things I've learned later in life, and we can talk about that later, because I was 43 when I went back to school, but there is something called you can have a valance of Velcro or a valance of Teflon. And a valance of Velcro means every negative comment, every roll of the eyes, every derogatory remark will stick to you and stick to you and stick to you. And after a while, it will weigh you down and weigh you down and weigh you down till there's nothing left of you. Or you can have a valance of Teflon where all those negative things that happen begin to just glide off of you because you don't care. Because if you're not paying rent, you are not taking up real estate in my head. There's no mm. room. There is no room for people like that. So that's how the older I have gotten, the more I have chosen to embrace that. Doesn't always work, but I certainly try. Yeah, I love that statement. That's just such a great reminder for all of us to keep with us because inevitably on a daily basis, there will be um, some form of negativity coming towards us. So that's a great little uh, nugget of wisdom as we go into our first break. Stay with us for our watch team, and I'll be back with Dr. Ruth. Go TN. Now the women to watch. Health Watch. 
For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Recently, over 3,000 physicians gathered for the annual national meeting of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists to address today's most important issues facing women's health care. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we heard from Dr. Eva Chalice, professor and immediate past president of the society, who shared a report. The two areas of focus were healthy living and knowing your family history. Obesity during pregnancy increases risk for hypertension and gestational diabetes, along with the risk of hypertension and heart disease later in life. It can also decrease fertility if the female or male partner is obese, and it also increases risk of obesity in the child through his or her life. But did you know that obesity raises the risk for multiple cancers? This includes breast and uterine. Estrogen is food for breast and uterine cancer. It's made in the ovaries, but after menopause, fat converts our male hormones, androgens, into estrogen. More fat tissue, higher the estrogen levels, and estrogen is food for breast and uterine cancers. Obesity also increases risk for ovarian, colon, esophagus, kidney, pancreas, and and gallbladder cancer. The other important message, know your family history so we can tailor a plan for screenings that mitigate your risk. Learn about breast, ovarian, uterine, and colon cancer in your family, not just in the women, but also male relatives who may have a positive BRCA gene or Lynch syndrome. BRCA is the mutation that increases risk for breast and ovarian cancer, but also pancreas, prostate, even male breast cancer. Women of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry have 10 times the risk, and lately we're finding increased risk in African Americans and Hispanic patients. Lynch syndrome comes with high risk for colon and uterine cancer, but also invites cancer of the small intestine, ureter, kidney, now ovary, stomach, pancreas, and others. If one person is affected, first degree relatives, that's parents, siblings, and children, have a 50% chance of having it too. Listen to the whole show on yourradiodoctor.net. And divas, please see your gynecologist once a year. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. There are approximately 2.6 billion users of social media, and the way these sites are used can have positive and negative impacts. After reading a very sad article about a young girl who was bullied on social media, I felt the need to broadcast this segment. Did you know that Generation Z doesn't know a world without smart devices and, according to some reports, spend as much as three to four hours online a day? I personally think it's more. When I asked my niece, who's 17, why she thought her generation uses social media, she said to communicate with friends and share information and photos about themselves and others. She told me her and her friends feel it's extremely important to have a social media presence. But social media can create a lot of anxiety for girls. They worry that friends or family will post an embarrassing photo of them or that their posts will be ignored. Oftentimes, they're the recipient of cyberbullying and harassed by others, which can damage their self-esteem and reputation. Girl or boy, if they're spending too much time on social media, they can become disconnected. You may observe a lack of enthusiasm for offline activities. You may find it difficult to hold a conversation with them or their grades may be slipping. You might also observe that they're isolating themselves. In addition to cyberbullying, girls and boys often share personal information, which leaves the door open to predators or online scams. In one survey, I saw 85% of girls receive a friend request from strangers, and 44% of those girls just accept the request. That's very scary. My advice is to get educated and share this education with children and teenagers. There's some awesome web forums like reachout.com or kindcampaign.org that provide insight and guidance for adults in the Gen Z. 
Your local schools will have information too and can help guide you. Please educate yourself on this topic. You'll be shocked at what you find. I'm Mary at PathwaysCG.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined by Dr. Ruth Gautien, Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education in Anesthesiology at the Weill Cornell Medicine uh, School in New York. And um, I wanted to start the second segment off with uh, with a quote. Um, You said, I studied business and initially tried my hand at finance and international banking, but decided it wasn't for me. And this part I loved. You said, I wasn't whistling on my way to work. And I think that one line is, you know, who among us is not yearning to be whistling on our way to work? And when did you discover that that is actually possible? Well, I was in my mid-20s at the time. And... I realized that I was going to be working for a long time, many, many years and decades. And if I could barely scrape my way out of bed to go to work, I didn't love what I was doing. I wasn't passionate about it. I was doing it. I was good at it. But if I did something else, I didn't think I would mind so much. So that is why I decided I have to try something else. I I tried this. It didn't work out. It was early in my career. This was a great time to try it. Now let's try something else to see if I might like something else better. And I thought the early time in my career was a great time to do that. So I did and haven't looked back. Yeah. You know, something you and I share that we both get to, you know, sit and converse with um, very high achieving people. And and you have been interviewing um, Nobel laureates, astronauts, CEOs, Olympic champions, um, and trying to figure out what has led them to be such high achievers and successful and, and others do not get there. Um, and it's a fascinating topic to me. Um, how much of their success would you say are truly habits and practices as opposed to an innate belief in themselves? I actually don't think they're habits at all. I actually believe that it's mindset. And it's because it's mindset that the rest of us can actually do it. Clearly, they found out what they're good at. But just because you're good at something doesn't mean you excel at it. They were good at it, but they were so passionate about it. They did not have to scrape themselves out of bed in the morning to do it. They they cannot visualize themselves doing anything else. They love it. They're so passionate about it. And it is that mindset that allows them to work harder than the rest of us, to achieve more than the rest of us, to persevere more, to have that resilience. The way they view challenges is completely different because they want to find the solution to whatever is the challenge. So instead of wondering if they are going to overcome the challenge, they believe that they will. They also believe they just haven't found the way to do it. So their mindset is not to whine about what all the negative things are that happen to them. Instead, they focus on how to overcome the challenge. They have to go over it, around it, under it. They will get to the other side. They believe that. They just need to figure out the way. And they, their mindset is not to say, 
I have all the answers. It's I know where to look for the answers. So if it's looking it up, if it's talking to people, it's reading it, whatever it is, they know that they are not expected to know all the answers. So it's not about habits because you can't copy and paste somebody's habits. Your world is very different from my world. Your pressures are very different from my pressures. Your stress is very different from my stress. So the way that you accomplish things, I can't copy that. It's not going to work in my world, but I can certainly take the mindset and there's different ways of incorporating incorporating that mindset into your own life. And that's what we can learn from these extreme high achievers. Mm. So in your own interviews that you do, do, do you have um, a favorite question that you'd like to ask, something that really <laughs> you feel works in getting um, to know someone and what drives them? So it's interesting. First, I actually, I, I tell them, I study extreme high achievers, but I don't know the first thing about getting to space. I don't know the first thing about getting an Olympic gold medal. I, I know what it takes to win the Nobel. I'm not interested in all those things I can Google about you. Enough people have written about that. I want to know about what it took to get there. So then I say, take me back as far back as you want me to go. And they start telling me their whole life story. And at some point, I ask them, what was your favorite failure? And they will list multiple favorite failures, multiple, because they don't view it as a failure. They view it as, oh, I just learned something new. That won't work, so I don't have to do that again. I now have all these other things that I can try or all these other things that I can do to make me better, faster, stronger, achieve more. So they look at those hiccups as opportunities for enhancement, and they are very open about it, which I love. Ruth, would you describe that as, as people who just being optimistic? Is, you know, is that a trait that you see as a commonality? I don't know that it's a um, optimistic as much as I haven't found the answer. I need to figure out the answer. It's an obsession with finding out how to get the job done in the most effective, efficient, fastest, strongest way. And they are so laser focused on that. The laser focus is so important if you want to be an extreme high achiever. And I think that's what helped them achieve success. Yeah. Um, when we're going to go into our next break, when we come back, I, I definitely want to ask you about the four pillars, because while everyone does have an innate, unique way of, of um, approaching things, you have come up with four pillars that you have recognized in the people that you've yes. had the opportunity to interview. It's really fascinating. Stay with us for our watch team, and we will be back with Dr. Ruth Gautian. Now, the women to watch, Military Watch. Hi, I'm Melanie Gardiner with Comcast NBC Universal Military and Veteran Affairs. I have the pleasure of filling in for Carol Eggert this week. This Thursday, May 20th, is the 10th year of Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Started by Joe Devon as a challenge to his technology engineer peers, the day focuses on raising awareness on improving digital access and inclusion for more than 1 billion people with disabilities and impairments throughout the world. We rely on digital tools and hardware to do pretty much everything in our daily lives. 
Like curb ramps allowing those who use wheelchairs to traverse sidewalks and street crossings, these tools need to be designed to make a better experience for everyone. At Comcast, we're committed to making our products, services, and experiences accessible to the widest possible audience and open new doors to independence for people with disabilities. Years ago, Army veteran and Xfinity customer James Baldwin's sight began to deteriorate due to an injury he sustained during his service. James was one of the first Xfinity customers to experience a device called New Eyes E2. The headset magnifier enables individuals with low vision to read, watch TV, or look at a loved one's face. Through a collaboration with Comcast, the Xfinity Stream application can be accessed directly through the new YZ2, allowing content to be streamed directly to users' eyes in a way that's never been done before. To quote Comcast's Vice President of Accessibility, Accessibility starts with the recognition that disability is not the lack of an ability, but it's the lack of a solution. I love that message and what it means to us no matter how we each move and interact with our world. So this week, I urge each of you to think of ideas to eliminate barriers so others may connect and share in each other's worlds. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I am Cheryl Mackey, Lead of Financial Empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. As many of you listeners know, you have until tomorrow, May 17th at 11.59 p.m. to file your taxes. Or maybe by the time you hear this, you would have already done so. In any case, if you did not, I want to remind you of two things. One, the importance of the Earned Income Tax Credit, or EITC. The Earned Income Tax Credit is a benefit for working people with low to moderate income that the federal, state, and sometimes local government offer. It is designed to encourage people to work and to reduce poverty for families with children. It can increase the income of a minimum wage worker with two children to up to 40%. The benefits to receiving EITC are extensive and even includes positive health outcomes for women, children, and newborns. You may not be eligible to receive this tax credit, but you can be an advocate to get this word out to those it will benefit. In the 2020 tax filing season, 30% of eligible tax filers did not receive this important credit. Let's make sure that 2021 yields a different result. This brings me to my second reminder. With less than a day left to file for your 2020 taxes, you can still access free tax preparation services available through United Way's partner Campaign for Working Families. There are several options available to get your tax filed with Campaign. If you are needing to get your taxes filed, go to their website at www.cwsphilly.org. That's cwsphilly.org to learn how you can get your taxes filed virtually or file in person or drop off your taxes to be filed for a return pickup. Additionally, there are several other services and resources available to you, like establishing a bank account if you are unbanked, perhaps due to prior banking challenges. They offer a second chance banking product. You can also receive free financial counseling, coaching through United Way's partner Clarify, offered to anyone who gets their taxes filed through campaigns. And you can inquire and apply for any of the 21 benefits you may be eligible for. So please take advantage of this resource and share the information with your network. 
I am Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for being with us. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Ruth Gautien, again, the Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor at Weill Cornell Medicine. And most of um, Dr. Gautien's work is centered around, um, if I can simplify it, you know, the, the difference between dreamers and people who are high achievers. And I'm fascinated with that topic. And and you have discovered what you say are the four pillars that are intrinsic motivation. So I thought if we could kind of quickly just go through the four, um, it might mm-hmm. be helpful for the listeners to, to recognize this in themselves. Absolutely. So we'll start, yeah, the work ethic. We'll start with that. So the work ethic is they will get the job done no matter what. They are so focused on what they are doing that they want to get it done. And they they understand that failure is part of the process. So for example, most of the astronauts who I have interviewed, they did not get accepted the first time around. They had to apply multiple times in order to do so, in order to get accepted. So they are not going to see that a no is a final answer. They, to them, no means not yet. And that is an incredible mindset. So they want to focus on how can I achieve this goal? How can I get there? So they have this work ethic and perseverance to get the job done, and they will mm-hmm. stop at absolutely nothing. Strong foundation. That's a good one. So the strong foundation, you would think, oh, I won the Olympic gold medal. Oh, I won the Nobel. I don't need to work so hard anymore. Nope. They don't do anything differently. So we have all heard that Kobe Bryant was in the gym at four in the morning. And he did that even with all his NBA championships. The same drills that you would see in an Olympic village or you would see Kobe Bryant do are the same drills that you would see in a junior high gym. And the reason for that is that is what has made them so successful. So yeah, they do it with fancier sneakers and better equipment, but the drills are the same. When um, one of the Nobel laureates um, won the Nobel Prize, that same day that he got that call, he submitted a grant. He submitted a grant for funding for his research. He didn't say, I won the Nobel, the money will come to me for my research. No, the same process. He just kept doing it. And this is the story with every single extreme high achiever. They never rest on their laurels. Excuse me. And constantly learning, never stopping um, their their curiosity to learn more. That's right. So they don't say, I have achieved this great and wonderful thing and have received this amazing award. No, they keep learning. And how do they do this? Well, first of all, they are all surrounded by a team of mentors. This team of mentors are people who are senior to them at their level and junior to them. So they will get guidance from whoever they feel is the subject matter expert. So the the old world thinking of my mentor needs to be older than me and more senior than me is just not the contemporary approach. It really can be anybody who has expertise in what you need. 
Now, that's just one of the ways. The other ways, you've heard that all the billionaires read for many hours a day, Mark Cuban, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates. That works for them. It may not work for the rest of us who don't have three to eight hours a day to read. Reading is not what made them billionaires. What has made them billionaires is that they were open to new knowledge and kept looking for gaps in the knowledge. So what are the ways that you can look for new knowledge? You can talk to people on your mentoring team. You can read books. You can read blogs. You can listen to a radio program like this. You can listen to podcasts. You can watch videos on YouTube. There are so many ways to get more information and infuse that new knowledge into your head so that you're always learning something new and then you will find gaps and then you will find ways to connect dots between things that seem dissimilar but by finding a new way to connect them, you have just become an innovator. Mm. And how about the fourth pillar? The fourth one was the intrinsic motivation, which is they love what they do. They would do it for free if they could, and very often they would. An astronaut is a government worker. They're not making that much money. And to be a scientist on the way to the, the Nobel, it's a, it's a regular faculty salary. They are doing it because they love doing it. They have found their passion and purpose, and they align everything they do with their goals. So they cut out all the other white noise that's in the background that can distract them from their goal. They are super laser focused and intrinsically motivated. They're not doing it for the awards. Most of the Olympic athletes and all those other people who won awards, they don't even keep the awards in their house. It's gone. They say it's too distracting and they didn't do it for that. So mm. focus on the intrinsic motivation, what comes from within. So Ruth, if I were to ask you, what is your intrinsic motivation? How would you describe it? <laughs> My, mine is being obsessed with success. Now that I figured out what it takes to become so successful and I have looked at how it relates and how common it is between all the other industries, I am just so passionate to find out more and more and more about it. And I reversed engineered the process. So now I am super passionate about teaching it to others so that they can optimize their own success. Mm. Okay, we're going to go into our last break and I will be back with Dr. Ruth Gautian. Stay with us for our watch team. Now, the Women to Watch, Legal Watch. Hi, Women to Watch listeners. This is Nicole Hitner for your Legal Watch. We've been fielding tons of questions about the new COVID-19 vaccine and the legal implications surrounding it. So I wanted to take a minute today to touch on a few considerations that may be impacting your company. First, vaccine mandates. Can an employer institute a mandatory vaccine policy? Yes, and many have. Whether or not that's the right decision for a particular company is another story altogether. One consideration is the culture of your company and the specific work environment. You may be thinking, what if we just incentivize vaccines? Be careful with this one. Employers need to consider whether employees that are unable or refuse to get vaccinated would be eligible for any incentives and also work through the potential tax, benefit, and wage payment implementations of an incentive under the law. And don't forget about worker safety. The vaccine cannot be a substitute for safety precautions like masks and social distancing. The Biden administration has made it crystal clear that worker safety is high on their radar when immediately upon taking office, Biden directed OSHA to devise COVID 
COVID-specific employer mandates. Be advised that we're already seeing a wave of whistleblower claims from workers who don't feel their safety is being protected. This is a new area of law, and it's rife with potential missteps. But we're here to help, and we're up to the minute on legal developments. This is Nicole Hitner for your Legal Watch. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. Have you ever noticed that your weekly check-ins with your direct reports, your one-on-one meetings, feel more like a taskmaster meeting, checking off the boxes of what they're doing rather than a real conversation? More and more, all of us are craving a more engaging meeting. So how do you flip the switch to get to a real conversation? Ask your employees questions. Ask them what's working and what's not. Where do they see an opportunity? What makes them the most afraid in their job right now? And when they talk, just tell them to say more. Tell me more. The more they talk, the more the root of their problems will reveal itself. I work with leaders on this type of engagement and teach them how to catch the right thoughts that their employees speak. If you don't know what they think about, you won't know what holds them back. Getting to these real conversations will give you a better understanding of how to motivate them and how to empower them to make decisions on their own and see what happens. In your next one-on-one, tell them to put the list of things they're doing away and tell you what's working and what's not. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. Ruth, I wanted to um, talk to you a little bit about that your days are full of many different activities, speaking, writing, coaching. Um, I always like to know, you know, do you have a sweet spot? Is there one thing you think that you really shine doing? And as a writer for several publications, Forbes, Psychology Today, where do you go for inspiration for those pieces? So I like to surround myself with people who are better than me and have achieved more. And I, even though I am an extrovert and can talk to anyone, I actually try to listen. And I am so fascinated by all of these people. And it is how I have found the muse for all of these articles that I am writing and all of these things that I'm teaching. I was 43 years old when I decided to go and get my doctorate. And I am really passionate about teaching people in a way that they don't even realize that they are being taught. I want to be the teacher I always wished that I had. And I love doing those keynotes where I can just drop those nuggets for people. And really, it gets them to walk out of that room or log off of that Zoom. And they are thinking about those ideas all day. If that works, I know I've done my job. And I try to do that through my writing I read what other people are posting on social media and talking about, and I'm hearing where the commonalities are. I am looking for those gaps that I was telling you. Everything mm-hmm. the extreme high achievers have done, I have tried to emulate, and and I see the difference, which is why I know it's possible for others to do. 
So if I were to ask you what you, you know, these are opportunities. The more people we meet, the more conversations we have, the more we learn about ourselves. And I wonder if there's something about you that was kind of an aha moment that, you know, perhaps has helped you with a personal challenge um, by having the opportunity to do this kind of work. What I guess what I should say is what have you learned about yourself it's so fascinating. There, it's actually one of my mentors, Dr. Bert Shapiro, when I decided to go back to school and I was deciding what it is that I would do, what I would study, he never told me what to study. He's a great mentor, never told me what to do, but he did tell me, do something important, not just interesting. Do something mm. important, not just mm. interesting. Important and to the world or important to you? What do you think important he Important to the world. Because if it was important to me, it would be just interesting. Okay. And once he told me that, I have it over my desk because everything I do has to be important so that I can leave the world better than I found it. So that we can all have a positive imprint on someone else's life. And if we can do that, it will have such a ripple effect and I, I really try to live by that as, as often as I can, hopefully every day. You know, I, I love that because I think what if, if you feel as though the work you're doing is important, it's beyond just interesting, there yeah. would be no better motivator than that, right? Exactly. Or, or that's bring you the joy in the work that you're doing, if it matters. Exactly. Absolutely. And you're always then looking for another way to make a bigger impact. Because at the end of the day, part of intrinsic motivation, that that one of the four pillars, is to do what you love. And you're going to love what you're doing if it can have an impact. If it can't have an impact, it's an interest and then it's a hobby, which is good yeah. for you. But that's not the way to have an impact. So always get back to your why. Get to the core of your why. Yeah. And you do that by oh. finding what's important. Yes. Listen, all good stuff, um, Ruth. I wish we had more time. And uh, I thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to um, bring a little bit of your story to our listeners. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. I thank you so much for being with me and hope you'll stay tuned next week for my interview with Janine Gelbart, the CEO of Indigo. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.